ghosts, cryptids, murder, conspiracies, beer, what, the, ale. Hello, friends. Hello. I'm Alana Ray. And I'm Mama Jay. And we are bringing you a fresh installment of What the Ale. Happy Wednesday, everybody. It is turkey season. So all the good things. Mm, yep. uh, <laughs> and the turkeys are all already running around all outside of my office. Oh and gosh. making their noises and it is very sad because like the week before thanksgiving they all suddenly go missing so lots of turkeys down by my office by the river and they will all go missing the week before so we know <laughs> that your what the l moment or do you have another one <laughs> no that's not my what the l moment but i'm just saying since you mentioned it, it's turkey season um yeah my turkeys and my around my office go missing this time of year that's wild that's wild yeah. it doesn't shock me but um <laughs> it is pretty funny yeah well speaking of what is your what the all moment today mama uh you know what I think it is is that um I went down to Palm Springs Pride over the weekend and my what the all moment is I really need to remember that after a weekend of that I need a day off <laughs> yes <laughs> but I did not schedule a day off I came back and went right back to the grind so I still feel like I am recovering from the fabulous weekend yeah honestly I I too wish I had taken a day off I've been very tired the past two days um after our Palm Springs Pride weekend so I agree yeah. um, so what about you Any what the ale moments my what the ale moment has to do with males males my age okay I <laughs> I have been getting back out there on the dating apps as one does. And um, I had a man, like we were talking, we had talked about getting a drink, but I was like, I'm getting dinner with a friend and like, it might run over. And like, I don't want you to be waiting on me. But like, if I'm like still up and moving when dinner is over and you're still up and moving, we can hang out. And then I like told him that. So I thought, you know, like it wouldn't be a thing, but then I texted him and was like, Hey, like, sorry, I, you know, I'm really tired. I was on call early this morning. Like, why don't we just do a rain check? I'm free Wednesday, for example. And he was just like, forget it. Oh my gosh. Okay. I was like, what, like, I was really just shocked by that. And I was like, um, okay then. And like, I just literally just said that, like, I was like, okay then. And then he was like, well, you didn't like send me any pictures or anything. And like, you didn't, like end up wanting to hang out and whatever. And I'm like, first of all, me agreeing to potentially go on a date with you does not mean I send you nudes. Second of all, like, I don't know you. Third of all, mm -hmm. I told you I had plans and potentially would not be able to make it tonight. So you cannot be salty that I don't make it. Like, yeah. just, that's my what the ill moment because that happened. Yeah, like, he doesn't sound like what you're looking for. No, he's not a winner. <laughs> So I was like, what? Oh, and then that was the other thing, too, because he was like, oh, you live in Oakland? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, do you live in the hood? And I was like, already. Oh, my gosh. Like, I was like, OK, dude, get out of here. <laughs> yeah, that's not cool. Mm -hmm. So anyway, my my what the all moment is just what are men sometimes. Mm -hmm. 
not all men, but certain ones. <laughs> yep. They can um, be something. <laughs> it does not sound like he's on your level. Not a winner. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> but uh, do you, what are you drinking tonight? Speaking of. Um, you know, I had a lovely dinner, so I, um, I'm having a glass of Sebastiani Pinot Noir with, that goes well with my dinner. Nice. So no beards today, but lovely wine. I am having my classic Modelo Negro. Um, okay. Because a friend bought me a six pack, so I have some. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, I know it's your story, so do you want to get into it? Yeah, so today, um, you know, since we're pulling away from spooky season, I decided to shift into something a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided to cover the mysterious death of a very famous writer, someone that you love, <laughs> Mr. Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, EAP in the building. <laughs> Oh. And, you know, because me and Edgar were down like that, so I'm going to call him Edgar for the rest of this. <laughs> or Eddie. Eddie or Edgar. Yeah, my little Eddie. Oh, I love Edgar Allan Poe. I love, 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 love Edgar Allan Poe. And I know that I bought you at some point the complete works. Did you ever read the whole thing or just pick at pieces? Um, it's a lot. I think so. That's actually something I'm working on right now because, um, I don't know the ethics of saying it at this moment, but there is a new series that is all Edgar Allan Poe vibes and wonderful on Netflix. And so I've been watching that. So as I've been watching it, I've been kind of reading the stories that the show is covering, but it's I didn't know that was a thing. I'll have to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I've been kind of reading those, but I, you know, I was thinking about it because the, I mean, he wrote a lot. Like, I mean, everyone knows the big ones, you know, mm-hmm. the Raven, Annabelle Lee, Mask of the Red Death, Count of the Montiago, you know, all of those. Um, But there was one that I maybe have the details wrong, but it's about a guy in a hot air balloon. And it's like, kind of like, kind of dark, but like a bit more wholesome feeling. And like, I mm-hmm. feel like that was probably one of his earlier short stories before he really had some of his troubles. And so, um, it's just mm. interesting because I like that they put the stories chronologically. Um, and okay. anyway, oh, yes, yeah. no, I've been opening it recently, but I have not actually oh, read okay. it. Before. <laughs> Do you have a favorite of his stories or no? Um, maybe it's basic. My favorite is the Telltale Heart. Of That's the- what I was going to say. Um. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That is well, but I haven't read, you know, I haven't read the complete works, but of the ones I know, that's probably my favorite. I love that one. And I love um, the Mask of the Red Death as well. I think both of those mm-hmm. are really well done. Um, my favorite poem, obviously, I love The Raven, but I actually think my favorite now that I'm older is Annabelle Lee. I've always loved that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so mm-hmm. I haven't read that in years. I'll have to reread it. Yeah, but I think those are, but I mean, The Raven is obviously still one of the best poems ever written, but Annabelle Lee's well, just a little bit According short. to my notes, The Raven that was written in 1845 remains among the best known poems in the national history. It doesn't So <laughs> it is a very popular one. I was going to get there, but since you already went there, I'll just throw that out there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it. it's, it is 
a beast of a poem. It like this, yeah. an, this anthology I have is like super tiny print and it, the the book itself is probably like 10 inches tall and it covers yeah. three pages. I mean, that's a long ass poem. Yeah. So it's wonderful and great, but <laughs> I think, uh, and I love it. I love it. Like Vincent Price's retelling of it is so good. Anyway, I'm getting really away from- <laughs> Listening to Vincent Price say anything that's a little macabre is kind of perfect. <laughs> Um, but yes, I, I really love Edgar Allan Poe and I know you do as well. So I'm excited for this topic. All right. Well, uh, I guess I will tell you a little bit about him and then we will get into his mysterious stuff. Um, so Edgar was born on January 19th, 1809. So I guess that makes him a Capricorn. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, and he was born in Boston. So I knew you'd like that part. (laughs) Well, that's why he has a statue in Boston. I was going to say, and I know I have a picture of you in front of his statue in your cap and gown with your masters. I The amount of pictures I have of, of and with that statue is probably yeah. obscene. I, that was like, because this is going to sound really bad for people who are historical people, um, but the gay clubs are right next to that statue. So sometimes while I was waiting for my Uber, I'd go over there because that's like lit up and safe. And I would totally have like selfie sessions with the Edgar Allan Poe statue. Um, so it's a good statue. It's there's got a the few reason. drunken photos of me like hanging on him. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay. So for anybody that does not know who he is, he is an American short story writer, poet, critic, editor, and he's best known for mysteries and the macabre. Um, And he's one of the first writers to bring romanticism and Gothic fiction to the States. Um, His tale, The Murders in the Rue Morgue. Have you read that? Mm -hmm. Murders in the, okay. I haven't read that. Um, 1841. They uh, say that this was what initiated modern day detective stories. So he was one of the first to write a detective story. Um, And then, as I said, The Raven remains one of the most best known you know, poems in American history. Right. Okay. So he was born to Eliza and David Poe. And I will say, you know, he has a bit of, you know, a sad and tragic history um, as a child. So he was born, um, he was the middle child and he, uh, his mother was a well-known actress. And I think David was an actor as well, but um, he only stuck around for about a year after Edgar was born um and then he abandoned Eliza and the three kids so Edgar never saw him again um and the the sadder part though is that when he was just under three his mother died of tuberculosis oh my gosh so dad abandoned him and then his mother died and he wasn't even three yet did he ever reunite with the dad or did dad just never not that I read you know I looked but it doesn't sound like it And then, um, and his mother was only 24 years old at the time. So it was really sad. Man, that tuberculosis, man. I'm telling you. Took people out. Um, So so two people, John and Francis Allen, ended up taking him in. And one source said that they were his godparents. Another source described them as foster parents. Um, But they were a wealthy couple. And, you know, he kind of stayed with them pretty much, I mean, he was still involved with them as like a young adult and everything. Um, and it seems like he had a pretty good relationship with Francis. Like she was like a, a good parental figure, 
but John seemed to be kind of a dick. Like he was kind of controlling. Um, he never really accepted Edgar as like his own or the other kids as his own. Um, and so, yeah, it was, they just didn't really get along and the family moved to Virginia and they changed his name to Edgar Allan Poe, but apparently he never really used that name. So like when he would sign his signature or, um, you know, apply for things or whatever, it would just be, um, Edgar Poe, but he ended up using the Allen in his professional name, but it was said that he didn't use the Allen most of the time because of his bad relationship with the dad. My question with that is, and maybe this is, so when you say his professional, cause I feel like I've seen his signature before and it does have the Allen. But that was once he was famous, like once he was well-known. Oh, but I, like, so then as, a, as a student, as a military, like whatever, he tried not to use that name. Wow. Well, I'm really sad that his foster dad was, or whatever adopted parent was not great. That's sad. Yeah. So he did start college um, at the University of Virginia, but he didn't have enough money to pay for it. Oh, wow. Um, and his foster dad or adopted dad, well, they, it says he was never adopted. So foster dad or godparent, whichever it is, yeah. um, you know, would not help him financially, even though it sounds like he had some money. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what does one do? <laughs> you know, Edgar took up gambling. Can I say something that I heard, which like maybe is in your notes, but I know it's a thing. Okay. I heard that like, he literally sent him to college with like a fixed amount of money, but it wasn't enough to pay for his studies. And Edgar yeah. like didn't know that. And aside from resorting to gambling, he like fully like was like burning his furniture to stay alive. And like, he would like eat his textbooks. Like I heard that it was like severe, severe, severe poverty for him. Okay. I have no idea if any of that's true. <laughs> I did not read that. Okay. Um, that might just fit in with the, the, like, wanting him to sound more macabre and mysterious. I'm not sure. Um, okay. I, didn't read any, I didn't read anything like that. But, um, but yeah, he did get into a lot of gambling debt. And um, so he ended up having to return to Richmond, Virginia. And there was a woman named Elmira um, who, you know, he had, like, proposed to before he left for school. And, of mm-hmm. course, you know, she promised she'd wait for him and all the things. Um, but when he returned to Richmond... Uh, he found out that she had accepted a proposal by another man. Oh, shit. Um, and so she was engaged and didn't tell him. So, you know, he was obviously like really heartbroken. So he moved back to Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just he just needed to get away because he was so heartbroken. And this is where he published the Tamerlane and other poems. Mm-hmm. And this was his first book of poetry. But at the time, it was just credited to a Bostonian, and his name was not attached to it. Wow. Yeah. So, obviously, we know that was his, you know, first published book of poetry now, but at the time, nobody knew his name. Wow. So, then he ended up doing two years in the military at West Point, and I think he used a different name during that time. Mm -hmm. Um, It didn't really say why, though, but... He used a different name. Maybe you want and, to be it, not be tracked down, get off the grid. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Um, and then he moves in with a family, with like a some of his family in Baltimore. So it was like his aunt and his cousin. Mm-hmm. And so he was there for four years and seemed really happy. It felt good to be like with family who was like loving and accepting and all of that stuff. 
Um, and this is during the time where he started to write like the short stories and, um, they become much more dark and centered around death. Yes. So the dark tales that he would tell became very romanticized. Um, but that's when that all started was during this period of life. So he moves back to Richmond where he's given a writing job and he's kind of allowed to write whatever he wants. And his aunt and his cousin end up coming to Virginia to live with him. Mm-hmm. At the time, he was 27 years old. Mm-hmm. And he ended up marrying his 13-year-old cousin. I know that was the time. But I don't <laughs> like it. Yes, I was going to say, I do not approve. Even though it was a different time, I do not approve. Um. In 1837, he moved to Philly and he published many of the most famous stories. So like during that time, um, 1845 is when The Raven came out. And when that got published, you know, and this was known to be his most popular piece. But when that got published, he really did become like a household name. Everybody knew him. Right. Um, And because, you know, he gained so much like popularity just because of that one um, poem he ended up starting to give lectures and editing for other writers and you know people were asking him to write more things and so he was the first american writer to make enough money to live completely off their writing income and not have to have a side hustle that's amazing though incredible yeah and then he is also one of the first authors to gain renown for writing horror, you know, horror fiction or macabre fiction. Um, and then, like I said earlier, you know, he was one of the people that really brought detective stories to the U.S. Was he before Mary Shelley? You know, I don't know. I can look that up. You I feel like up. she must have been after. I feel but, like he was because it was the um, year. Hold on. I, I'm looking this up. Because this I'm, is like 1849. Um, so she died in 1851. So oh. let me see when Frankenstein was. Mary Wollstonecroft Godwin. Yes. Wow. Okay. Frankenstein. You said it properly the first time. Frankenstein. If was you haven't had enough beer. No. Frankenstein was 1818 for those curious. Oh my gosh. Okay. So she was way before him. Yeah, I was just curious because I didn't know, but I I always kind of thought it was vice versa, but apparently we were wrong. (laughs) Well, then why isn't she getting credited for being the first American writer to do all these things? She's not American. Okay, well, that's why. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but a lot of this says like, you know, that he was the first to bring this to America. Yeah, because she was British, but then she was living in Paris and Lake Geneva and stuff like she didn't yeah. live she's not American I'm thinking back to the drunk history episode all of that sounding very familiar yeah drunk history <laughs> okay so Virginia his wife dies at the age of 15 from tuberculosis so he lost oh his mom God. and his young bride to tuberculosis Poor dude. um and apparently you know again super grief stricken he was like really suffering so he moved back to Richmond and there he reconnects with Elmira. Elmira? Huh? Elmira? Elmira? I don't know, whatever. But uh, she is also widowed at this time. So she did end up marrying that other guy. But now he passed away too. So they reunite 
And then in 1949, they get engaged. Mm -hmm. And this is when Edward leaves um, and he starts to head to New York to pick up his aunt to bring her back for the wedding. Is this where we're getting to the goods? Yes, this is where we get into the goods because his boat never made it to New York. They did make their stop in Baltimore on the way to New York. But this is the last time anybody sees him until he is found on the street, you know, days later. Okay. Fascinating. Okay. So did you want to say anything about any of that? Um, I don't really think I have anything to say. I know like he, what is the word I'm trying to say? Like, I know with Elmira, like both of like not him per se, but her being a widowed woman, like she technically couldn't really get married again at that time. So that's really cool that he was like willing a to take her back after like marrying another I mean, they were both widowed so and if you know he saw her as like the one that got away or whatever yeah you know, I think he was somebody who was not a he was not afraid to rock the boat <laughs> that's true I do think yeah. um I'm trying to remember back to the BuzzFeed Unsolved episode but I believe she inspired was it Annabelle Lee or maybe Lenore in one of his stories? Like she inspired one of the characters in the stories. Um, I don't remember which one, but um, not important. That's totally just me remembering something vaguely. Okay. (laughs) But get into the mystery. (laughs) Boat lands in Baltimore on the way to New York. And then on October 3rd, 1849, Joseph W. Walker, who is a compositor for the Baltimore Sun. And I had to look that up because I didn't know what it meant. Compositor means that he would like arrange the typesetting for the newspaper printing. Oh, that's so, Yeah. So, um, which, you know, is so much easier now that you got computers and even typewriters were easier. But back then you had to set the type. Yes. So that was his job. Cool. Um, but he, you know, it was election day and he was going to Gunner's Hall, which was a public house, but it also served as a pop-up polling location. So when Rock Walker arrived at Gunner's Hall, he found a man who was disheveled and unkempt. He was wearing secondhand clothes and just lying in the gutter. Mm-hmm. The man was semi-conscious and somewhat incoherent and like very unable to move, like could not stand up, could not sit up. Um, just kind of really out of it. Okay. Um, but then as Walker approached him, he recognized the man as Edgar Allan Poe. Walker was like so worried about him and he asked if there was anybody that he could call. And so Poe gave him the, the name of Joseph E. Snodgrass. And Joseph Snodgrass apparently is like a magazine editor editor that was acquainted Um with Edgar Allan Poe because of the writing. Um, but he was also somebody who had some medical training. They didn't really say what his medical training was. I don't know if it was military or something, but he did have some medical training. So Joseph sent for Snodgrass and Snodgrass came immediately. And then they got Edgar to the hospital. Mm -hmm. So Edgar lived for four days, but during that time he was like slip slipping in and out of delirium and having hallucinations. Um, he was never coherent enough to explain how he ended up in Baltimore in such like a disheveled state. And the night before his death, he was repeatedly calling out for someone named Reynolds. And this is according to the attending physician, Dr. John Morin. Okay. 
Um, and who Reynolds is to this day is still a mystery. Nobody knows who this is, but he kept calling for Reynolds. Huh. And I saw one article from the National Library of Medicine that said his final words were, Lord, help my poor soul. And then he died on October 7th, 1849 at the age of 40. Wow. I just, he seems so tortured. Yeah, he had a lot going on. I mean, obviously, but that's just like, help my poor soul. Like that just, yeah. In the heart, right? Like that's so. I mean, you just think he, he was somebody who dealt with grief, like as a baby, you know, before like, he even knew what grief was. Yeah, yeah. it's. I mean, he was only forty, and he lost that many people. Or yeah, dad abandoned, mom to tuberculosis, wife to tuberculosis, you know, surrogate mom, you know, the the uh, foster or uh, godmother lost her bad relationship with that dad. I mean. It was just a lot of loss and then lost the love of his life, but then reconnected with her. So, you know, it was just a lot of stuff for him, a lot of heartache. So in, in some of the articles that I read, it said that death certificates were not common at the time and that there was none on record for Poe. Um, other sources say that his death certificate listed the cause of death as um, swelling of the brain. Okay. And... Um, the, I, the concept of like swelling of the brain seems to be the most consistent across the different sources that that's like, what was like, I, I mean, I think even newspapers at the time were, were saying that that's what it was, but swelling um, of the brain but, could be multiple things, right? I mean, that yeah, could be like yeah, yeah. trauma, but that could be also like alcoholism or something like there's so much to it. I feel like, yep. Sorry. Continue. <laughs> So, but because there of the mysterious circumstances surrounding his death, people have questioned what was the true cause of his demise. Some of the medical possibilities are uh, delirium tremens, uh, heart disease, cholera, syphilis, epilepsy, monoxide poisoning, and rabies. <laughs> rabies, um, goodness. Yeah, and then we'll get into some of the more interesting theories as well. But there is um, a man named Chris Sempter, and he's or Sempner, and he's the curator of the Poe Museum in Richmond. And he said, "quote Maybe it's fitting that since he invented the detective story, he left us with a real life mystery." Unquote. I kind of love that, like with Agatha Christie, who we will cover as well. Um, yeah, I love I love when there's a bit of mystery about the mysterious people. Yeah, so. There are 26 published theories about his death. Um, obviously, I'm not going to cover all of those. Uh, but I'll cover some of the main ones. And then I will say, you know, before I start into that, I will say that it was very consistent across all the sources that he was somebody who could not hold his alcohol. Mm -hmm. So, like, he would have one drink and become completely intoxicated. Wow. So months before like a death medical thing like did he have like some sort of allergy to alcohol or was it something yeah else? it was like he just had like alcohol intolerance okay um, but it you know it's a thing where some people just can't hold liquor at all and so apparently he had that so months before his death he became involved in the temperance movement which okay. promoted abstinence from alcohol mm -hmm. so it seemed like he had been sober for several months leading up to his death so some people, because of that, blame alcohol 
you know, but, but there's a lot of people that don't believe that because, you know, or don't believe that he would have ingested the alcohol willingly because he had been so involved in the temperance movement. So, you know, even if they think, well, maybe alcohol is to play, they don't think he did it willingly. Yeah. And alcohol is hard too. Cause I mean, when you think about addiction, like people relapse all the time, but it, you know, I, I would like to believe that (laughs) that was not the case, but I'm not going to. Well, you're going to bring us to our first theory because unfortunately his old buddy Snodgrass (laughs) was also, (laughs) I just like saying that name Snodgrass, Snodgrass. Um, but he was also a part of the temperance movement. So he would sometimes like use stories that like where there was extreme problems with alcohol to try to like get people to be abstinent to say alcohol is like awful don't do it like these things can happen um so stories about like alcohol related deaths seem like a pretty good way to like try to deter people from drinking alcohol so he kind of used edgar's death in that regard and was like you know he died because of alcohol and um you know and so you know he but so he went like around the u.s saying this to try to get people to join the temperance movement so there appears to be no evidence that that was a thing but he definitely spread that around as if it was true huh okay it was like he was using it as his own yeah he wanted to try to get people to join the temperance movement so he was like jumped all over this and and spoke about it as if that was a clear fact, even though it wasn't. Yeah. Cause I do feel like when I initially heard about Edgar Allan Poe, I do think it was kind of like he drank himself to death and like they left it there. So I, I do think it left that type of mark, but I, yeah, I just personally, me, myself and I, that is not the theory I choose to subscribe to. <laughs> okay. So let's move on a little bit. So some people that were with him in the final days, and when I say final days, we need to remember there were like five days where no one saw him at all. Um, But people that saw him towards the end say that, you know, alcohol could have played a part, but, you know, um, they don't really believe it because he wasn't drinking at the time and because it didn't explain those five days where no one saw him and it didn't explain why he was found like in clothing that was not his own. Cause I know earlier I said he was like disheveled and kempt, but you know, that was one of the things was he was not dressed in his own clothing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the clothing was like old tattered or whatever. And so again, that wouldn't explain why he was in these clothes that were clearly not his. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, I'm sure you're going to go more into theory, so I don't want to like steal your thunder, but I've heard an interesting theory about this one. Okay. Um, did it have to do with anything like voter fraud? Are you going to get into that? Well, you have to wait. You have okay. to wait. <laughs> okay. All right, so <laughs> recently, samples of his hair were tested. And mm-hmm. when I say recently, I have no idea what year that was. The article just said recently. <laughs> when was um, published? You know, I don't remember, but I it might have been the Smithsonian Magazine. I'm not sure. But okay. it said recently, which was probably a long time ago. Yeah. Um but it did show that he had low levels of lead, which means that he was most likely sober during the time of his death. But mm-hmm. he did have high levels of mer- mercury, 
And that makes sense because months earlier, he had been exposed to cholera and he was given mercury chloride, um, you know, to like treat the cholera, you know, possible exposure to cholera, which, you know, back then they would just like, oh, you might have this, take this other thing that's poison as well. Um, So, you know, there could be some like mercury poisoning. So I did look up what the symptoms of that would be. And it said loss of peripheral vision, pins and needles in your extremities, lack of coordination, impairment in speech, hearing and walking, muscle weakness, disruption in sensations and nerve responses, mm-hmm. respiratory and kidney failure and death. So I don't know how long it would have taken like it to kill him if it or have even these symptoms, if it was mercury poisoning. But that is a theory because people know that he was given that. Well, and it was like some sort of mercury compound. It wasn't like pure mercury. It was mercury um, chloride. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I wonder, because I know like, um, I watch a lot of forensic files, but there was a forensic files case where the girl's husband was like giving her like arsenic and she ended up living, thank God. But like, it was like, he was just putting like a tablespoon in her coffee every morning and she didn't like somehow built up a tolerance to the whatever but was like having health problems from the arsenic but like built up so like he had given her a quote-unquote lethal dose but because he had built her up to the tolerance like she was fine um but all that being said like depending on how long he was taking that absolutely that's a good theory I think yeah so I don't know but Another theory is that he could have been beaten. And there are two main documented stories that are very different. Um, So I'll tell you what both of them are. They're both things that were published. Mm -hmm. Um, So biographer E. Oak Smith wrote an article called Autobiographic Notes, Edgar Allan Poe. And in this article, she wrote, and this is a quote, she wrote, At the instigation of a woman who considered herself injured by him, he was cruelly beaten blow upon blow by a ruffian who knew of no better mode of avenging supposed injuries. Mm -hmm. It is well known that brain fever followed. So like he somehow injured or wronged this woman or hit this woman or something. And then this, you know, quote ruffian was like avenging her, you know, Um, you know, and so attacked Poe. Um, but again, there's an, uh, there's unnamed woman. Nobody has come forward saying this was a thing. There's no proof of it. I have no idea where E. Oak Smith got this information. Um, but she did publish it in this article. Right. And then there was another writer, Eugene Didier, and he wrote in an 1872 article, the grave of Poe that Poe had like met up with some friends from West Point And after one glass of champagne, he became intoxicated and was kind of belligerent and loud and whatever. And then he left his friends, left the bar and was robbed and beaten again by ruffians. (laughs) Um, And, you know, but that doesn't really explain why he would be in different clothing, you know, that are not his own. It would explain why some of his other personal effects were missing, though, if he was like robbed. Yeah, Um, they said his clothes were tattered, right? Yeah, but they were like, old and tattered like belong to somebody else were yeah 
Okay. So, you know, but both of these, you know, I mean, it talks about him being beaten, which, you know, if there was any like swelling in the brain, you even said it earlier, like that could probably be like a, um, you know, blunt first trauma or something, but like his body didn't seem to have a lot of injury. So, yeah. So I don't know that either of those hold water, but those are two of the theories. Mm -hmm. Uh, one of the other ones before we get to the two murder theories, (laughs) Um, is that 26 years after his death, his body was being moved to a different part of the cemetery Mm -hmm. and the coffin was like old and kind of falling apart. So when they were lifting it, his remains fell out. And when they like picked him up, they noticed that there was like a a rolling sound, like rolling around in his skull Mm -hmm. and, you know, but his brain would have been totally decayed by then. So they theorized that this could have been a calcified tumor, but that has never been proven. So that's just another theory. And I mean, so they've never like done like an MRI or something to see if something was there or anything like yeah. that. I'm curious about that. I want to read, <laughs> I want to read about this more. Yeah. But my thing is that if his body just like fell out onto the ground, like it could have been a rock that fell, you know, got in there or something because they're is- just shaking the full around saying they're hearing the sound. But I mean, if it's just a rattling, it could have been something broke off. It could have been when he fell out of the coffin, like, Okay, so they never actually like opened the skull to see the object. They no, this was just a theory that was put out there, so it didn't seem very legit to me. That also could just be like, yeah, like you said, a rock or something, but it also could just be like weird sounds coming from the fact that the body fell out of the grave. Yeah. Like, I don't know, that's kind of weird. Okay. okay, and then there are two murder theories. Um, so murder theory one is that the brothers of Elmira killed him. So that he wouldn't marry her. So apparently, you know, there was like rumors that they did not approve of the marriage. Hmm. Um, but if this was true, it's still. Um, and well, they said that like it could be that he was like trying to hide from them. And that's why like he was wearing different clothes. Um, so, you know, he was trying to like make himself look, you know, maybe like a houseless friend or, you know, whatever. So but it was more of a disguise but that they did catch up with him and beat him. Um, And then the theory also says they could have given him excessive alcohol, knowing that he couldn't handle it in order to be able to better control him. Hmm. So that is one theory, but again, no evidence for it. Yeah. I mean, Um, I guess this is obviously the 1800s. They never questioned Elmira or anyone kind of around. I mean, I'm sure they questioned people, but like they didn't have anything, you know? Right. Yeah. Okay, so then Alana, you mentioned the last theory that I'm going to cover. Voter fraud. <laughs> yep. So do you know what it's called? I did. I don't remember. <laughs> it's called cooping. Cooping. Yeah. So it's a method of voter fraud where they kidnap a victim and force the person to vote however they wanted that person to vote. And then they'd give them a drink, change their clothes, and then force them to go a vote again. And they would just like repeat that process and make them drink every time um, until, you know, they were done. And then once the person was like very drunk, they would just like leave them in the street. And the theory about like why they would make them drink in between was so that like there'd be like deniability, like they wouldn't be able to, you know, say who did it to them or, you know, or people wouldn't believe them. If they said somebody did it because they're belligerent and drunk and like, who's going to believe them? Um, so, you know, but that theory of like, 
if he already couldn't handle alcohol, if they did this to him, then, you know, it would make sense that he would be in different clothes because they would dress him differently to be able to, um, you know, go back to the polls and vote differently. And, um, and then, yeah, the, the, him not being able to handle liquor. So that's the thing on that one. Yeah. You know, I feel like this is the theory I tend to enjoy. Um, Based on the Mm -hmm. evidence, obviously, there's not a lot. I just, I think he, knowing he has the sensitivity or like the intolerance for alcohol, and then he's wearing different clothes and he has blunt force trauma and he has this, that all makes sense to me. I just wonder where he was for the days. Like, well, that's what, see, this is why I like the theory because it would make sense that he was like kidnapped and then like, you know, they kept him. So they kind of like brainwashed him a bit or something, right? Well, I mean, they just like kept him until they needed him. They, you know, and so to me, that kind of makes sense. Like if they were going to kidnap him, maybe they would like pull people off the boat and then know the boat's going to go on and think that nobody will notice. So Mm -hmm. to me, I kind of like the theory because that would make sense that they could pull him off the boat. People wouldn't notice it until later that he was missing. And, you know, they can like just keep him until voter day, (laughs) you know. election and were they able to substantiate that there was an election happening during that time yeah well and that's why um what was his name walker or something that's why that's why he was going to the public house that day because it was a polling place oh yeah so there was an election the day he was found oh so i kind of like that theory you know if it wasn't just a medical thing which i have no idea but if it was not a medical thing i like that theory the best yeah, I agree with that. I think some of the medical stuff could explain things for sure, but I do really like that theory. Yeah, yeah. I agree. <laughs> and then um, I was just going to say that Poe is now interred at Westminster Hall in Baltimore, Maryland. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I, this was like, I didn't put this in my notes because I saw this like later when I was just like looking through some other stuff, but Apparently, there was a man named Rufus Wilmot Griswold. Have you ever heard of him, Griswold? That sounds familiar, but maybe I saw it in a documentary. I don't really remember what. So he was like a literary rival to Poe. Hmm. But, um, you know, so I, I hadn't heard of this before, but apparently like he ended up writing a very long obituary that appeared in the New York tri- tri- Tribune, but he wrote it under, you know, a, a pen name Ludwig. Mm-hmm. Um, but in there, he like really like defamed yeah, Edgar Allan Poe and was like, you know, saying all kinds of bad things about him and that he was depraved, drunken, drug addict, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, and then, you know, it was later found out that it was him that you know, wrote it and, you know, so, but I was just like, that's interesting that like a rival, even after his death was trying to like defame him and all of that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and he ended up writing a full biography and, uh, and it's called memoir of the author. Mm-hmm. And in that, like, you know, he really depicted all of this stuff, but for a lot of people that made Poe, you know, Edgar Allan Poe even more popular because they liked him for all the dark macabre evil stuff. So to like be like 
oh, he was an evil guy or something. People were like, yes, I'm reading all these works of art by a madman, you know, and that seemed even cooler. Right. So I just, it's like a side note that I saw later. Um, but I thought that was interesting that somebody was trying to like defame him after his death, which is just, why do you need to do that? Like, don't dance on another man's grave. You know, people um, like that though. Like that reminds me of like the stuff with Edison and Tesla, which we should totally do like a kind of yeah. or something, but it's similar where they just tore each other down. Yeah. Like, why? Y'all are both yeah. brilliant. Be brilliant together. Yeah. <laughs> But I like that it came back to bite him in the ass because then people, you know, is even more popular. Like, yeah, I want to read the man, Mad Men's work. <laughs> I love it. I appreciate that. Wow. So that's the mysterious death of Edgar Allan Poe. Can I say one thing that we didn't say? Sure. I think Edgar Allan Poe is the only person I know of that has an entire football team named after him. And I think that's pretty fucking cool. The Baltimore oh, the Ravens. Ravens. Oh, Ravens, yeah. No, that um, is cool. Yeah. You well, know, it's funny, a lot of sports team, yeah, they don't follow literary you know, people very often. Yeah, and I just love that. I mean, I don't, I mean, I feel like with like, you know, New England, the Patriots made sense. Like, that's where the revolution yeah. happened, like, whatever. But it, I think it is very cool that Edgar Allan Poe has a football team. <laughs> if only he yeah. knew. No, that's very cool. Um. Yeah. Yeah, I know, but I love that story. I think it's so fascinating. Um, like I said, I, I'm partial to the voter fraud theory if it's not medical, like you said, so. Yeah, I don't know. But it's, you know, it is sad. You know, he had such a sad life and, you know, but he was such a creative genius, just like the way he words things. And even though it's all very dark, you know, it's just, I don't know. You know, to have such a talented person die so young is just such a tragedy. No, I agree. I think, like, there's so many tortured artists out there. You know, I mean, we have Van Gogh and we have, I mean, even people like Hemingway and Picasso and Charles Bukowski. And I mean, even now we have people like who have sadly passed on or, you know, just something too young just because they were geniuses. And it's like, but they left behind such beautiful things. Yeah. And it's like that that weird thing that like I mean I hope Poe at least got a taste of like what his impact was but I know some didn't and it just yeah yeah, these stories always get to me a little bit (laughs) but well and that's you know like you say I don't know that he was able to see what his whole impact would be but like the idea of going from not being able to pay for college you know to suddenly being able to like live on what you make as a writer I mean that's a pretty big turnaround so many authors aren't able to do that even. Yeah. And so I'm glad he, he lived to see that, that he was going to be successful enough to like provide for his family. Well, it's like Emily Dickinson, right? Like her family just found her poems in a trunk after she died. Like they had no idea. Like she had no yeah. idea. Like 12 year olds would read her for yeah. centuries, you know, like it's just, it's crazy how how some of these folks just passed on I mean yeah it, it's just really sad so yeah um, yeah well so that's all I got for you but I know he's one of your favorites the favorite oh. macabre author, author, authors so 
Honestly, yeah, I'm telling you, watch the show on Netflix. Um, okay, yeah, I didn't know there was one, but I will check it out. It's the fall of the House of Usher. I will say it. Um, I if we get copyrighted or yelled at, we'll handle that later. But, but we're promoting them. We're saying they're good. I really liked it so far. It is set with a modern take. It's not like all like you know gothic and whatever. It's very modern. Um, but what I have seen so far, I've only seen a couple episodes, but I've really liked it. So I recommend it. <laughs> I will check it out. And then if you want to borrow my my complete, you're welcome to, obviously. I, I was going to say, well, now, you know, because I, um, last month I had reread um, Rosemary's Baby. Mm. And right now I'm reading, what am I reading? Um, oh my gosh, I don't even remember what it's called. Um, something that another podcast recommended. Uh, but yeah, so I'm going to need something when this one's over, so... <laughs> Well, I've never read Rosemary. That's a big fat one. I'll have to pick and choose a few stories that I want to read. Yeah, this one's like a solid thousand pages. So yeah, <laughs> um, enjoy her. But yeah, she's long. I've been um, actually what I've been working through right now is the complete Sherlock Holmes. Oh, so they, yeah. They compiled like all of Arthur Conan Doyle's stuff into one book. So I've been reading that recently. So okay. um, for the most part, but yeah, I really. Oh, wrong place, wrong time is what I'm reading wrong now. Place, wrong time cool yeah. I haven't read that one either um but yeah oh I love him I love EAP I'm so happy you did this <laughs> yay um right. any housekeeping notes uh housekeeping just keep an eye out on our you know socials for any sort of updates we are going to be releasing my bonus patreon episode next week we have topics and stuff ready to go and um Aside and our keg will come out next week too, right? Well, yeah, our keg will. Yeah, we've got a couple of things being released next week that are little bonus things. Yeah, and then um, just keep being spooky. Send us your spooky or just wild stories. Of course, we want to hear them. We want to read them. We want to share them with the world if you are willing. If not, just send them to us anyway. We'll read them and love them. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think just keep liking and subscribing. Please make sure to rate us five stars on Spotify and things because that will help us get to more people and reach more people. And that's amazing. Um, but yeah, we're just, we really appreciate all of you. And I appreciate you mama for having a beer with me every week. <laughs> I appreciate you Alana. All righty. Well, we'll see you next week, friends. Thanks so much. All right. Take care. Bye.